welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I am producer Bill. And today we are talking about a very hot in the news topic. Is AI the greatest villain? This is something that I feel like is sort of on the carousel in pop culture. It comes around very often. Somebody is always talking about it. Um, if you listen to the Lex Friedman podcast, which I know has been taking off over the course of the pandemic, he just had Ray Kurzweil on, who's sort of the soothsayer of AI, talking about how by the end of the 2020s, human consciousness will be starting to merge with machine consciousness. Um, I myself have found myself in a couple conversations recently about you know the role of AI in society. And certainly over the course of the summer, we saw the proliferation of AI art for the first time. So AI is this hot topic. And for me, I want to get off the bat. Neither one of us are data scientists. Neither mm. one of us have any sort of professional experience in this arena. So take what we have to say with a grain of salt. But at least for me, this converges with a lot of things I am both interested in and tend to write about um, when I'm working on my own personal projects. And so I like to try to stay abreast of where AI is. And one of the things that somewhat frustrates me, but I also think is just an interesting topic for conversation is the fact that most people's conceptions of AI, how it will emerge, what it will be capable of, why it may or may not kill us all. I feel like tend to be alarmist and also a little bit divorced from reality, which is not to say that AI won't kill us all because it very well may. But I think the idea that like at one point in the not too distant future, we will wake up and so will the computer mastermind that one day it will just click over and suddenly it will start making decisions and take over the internet and yada, 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 pull a full Ultron is super, super uninformed and not likely. And so I wanted us to talk a little bit today about what maybe is more likely and also how does that converge with some ideas that we may be getting from our pop culture or that may be leaking into our pop culture. So that's hmm. sort of the broad overview for the topic of conversation. What's your, Ed, feeling about AI? Do you have an existential feeling of dread is it something you don't often think about like what's your relationship to the topic um well i mean i think it's interesting how um in my personal life it's always come through the lens of pop culture because obviously for the majority of my life ai was sort of more of a concept than a real thing sure. you know you're you're a, you're a baby kid or you watch a vhs with your fat pappy and, and you watch war games and that's about a computer who decides to um to play a game and that game is mutually assured destruction basically. And, and just exploring the concept of a computer having that much control over our lives. Then you kind of go to sort of this um, beneficent computer model in, um, in, in Star Trek where mm -hmm. it's hardly ever any sort of just strictly robotic entity doing anything bad. They don't really have that. They have like the Borg is the closest thing to that. And it's the pursuit of indiv it's it's the pursuit of collectivism and uh, individual perfection within said collective. That's mm -hmm. a very human pursuit on mm -hmm. some level. So it's not it's not the machines doing the majority of that work either. They need bioorganisms to even exist. 
you know, again, they're not Cylons. I never was a big Battlestar Galactica guy, so I'm going to skip over that. I understand that's a lot of people's <laughs> pop culture entryway into it. I personally was more of a Terminator dude. And even then, I felt as though it was a great scapegoat, you know, an implacable, unreasonable machine yeah. is always a big deal for us in pop culture because so many of our interactions with people I mean, when there's a soldier coming towards you and he's shooting at you and you can't reason with him, he might as well be a machine. I think a lot of our fears about AI come rooted in the fact that we're pieces of shit and we created AI. I think that's a great observation. And what you just said about that idea of, you know, the soldier coming towards you and he's unreasonable. I think Terminator marks a really interesting inflection point where maybe consciously, maybe not, but we started down the road of examining some of our own biases in our storytelling, where for the majority of the Cold War, you could just throw Russians or Russian affiliates into your bad guy role and murder them willy-nilly, you know, without a second thought. Mm -hmm. And I think certainly in modern times and maybe stretching back as far as the 80s, storytellers started to think about like, man, I want to tell these gung-ho action movies, but I don't necessarily want to just categorically demonize an entire country or an entire military. And so rather than having, you know, your faceless Japanese, Nazi, Russian soldiers, which really glosses over a lot of geopolitical realities in order to just create villains maybe we need something even one step further removed from humanity so that we can retain the inhumanity in our cold-blooded villains. Oh, and just one real real quick step in the evolution of that. Top Gun, baby. We don't even <laughs> see who the fuck these people are. It's just planes. <laughs> right. These evil planes from an unknown country. It was that, that was almost like, to me, that's why Top Gun is so cool. That's why Top Gun Maverick is such a great throwback to such a cool thing of just like, yeah, we're doing jingoistic, militaristic bullshit, but we're not demonizing anybody. It's just faceless fifth generation planes, faceless countries impinging upon our whatever. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah. a, it's a graduation of the faceless Japanese, faceless Russian, faceless Muslim. I mean, as sure. recently as John Wick 3, uh, faceless Muslims have been used. If you fucking, uh, and in my back in my day, it was uh, true lies, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like so these, these Muslim terrorists are just. They're just too ill to be dealt with. But if you drop an Uzi down the stairs, they just fall like dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, that example of Top Gun Maverick is a really interesting one because they might as well have been fighting AI planes. Mm -hmm. Like It might as well have been an AI that went off the chain and was operating some crazy weapons factory out in the middle of those goddamn mountains because they made absolutely no effort to give you anything identifiable about the quote unquote enemy. It's just the enemy. And, and, and their planes, the, the insistence upon the fact that the digital readouts in the planes and digital controls in the planes make them superior to your just, I feel it in my yoke. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like the the yoke on my stick and the blah, blah, all this like tactile all the way back to the reins on a horse or the tufts of hair on a horse from our caveman ancestors who rode horses or whatever. Anything that gets farther and farther from the natural world, this push. I remember when I was a kid, they used to call it a push button wars, push button destruction. Anything sure. that was you pushing a button was like that was the ultimate in like, you know, 
uh, dehumanization slash, uh, I don't know, the mechanization of evil started early in my life. The, mm. You know what I mean? The, the evil, evil was a mechanized process by yeah. definition because there was no humanity involved so just you're not trying to get too deep but like the no. fucking maverick thing they they really imp- impressed upon you these planes are better than you because they're not flying through feel they have these digital readouts that can make their their turbines do all this different shit to make their planes it is edging on in a terminatorville and i think what's interesting about that though is in our desire to have a faceless inhuman enemy we've almost created a whole new irrational fear of AI where the irrational fear of Russians has been replaced by something perhaps a little bit more self-aware and nuanced. And I'm going to argue that the next great change in storytelling is we're going to go through that same reckoning with AI. And it's interesting that you mentioned the push button war, and maybe this is starting on like the more sophisticated end of AI, but why the hell not start there? The end game of AI in war is essentially war becomes obsolete because war just becomes a chess game. It becomes simulations run by two hyper-intelligent artificial intelligences that, for whatever reason, are pitted against each other, whether they're controlled by planets, corporations, countries like we have it now, whatever the case may be, right? The ultimate I would say end goal of using AI in a military capacity is that you no longer have to kill anybody. It's that you're ultimately taking two machines that can take every variable into account and telling them, play it out. And now the variables that they're using are real people, real devices, real fighting capacity. But the whole idea is that when you can run simulations that realistically take all of those things into account all the way down to economic productivity, number of able-bodied young men in your country or your planet or whatever, you know, all these things that are actually affected by war. If you can just plug that into the sim and run it, you ultimately get statistics back and it would take essentially an unhinged leader to not go along with the statistics. And you might think that that's utopian, but I would argue we're doing the exact same thing with nukes right now. The whole stockpiling of nukes is really just brinksmanship. It's really just trying to position your pieces on a chessboard, not so that you're ever going to dump acid on the king and watch it crumble to dust, but just so that you can get the king to lie down and your opposite player to no longer continue trying to outmaneuver you. Hmm. And the whole point of nukes is that we never have to use them so long as we have enough workable nukes, which is a weird dichotomy, but like I'm the type of person that sort of sees like once the genie is out of the bottle, there's no putting it back in. Like we're never going to go back to a no nuclear weapon society barring the extinction of humanity and the rise of some other intelligence that would have to come back along the science. And so once you're there, you realize that actually it's a really effective deterrent. Um, Again, barring the existence of an insane person with access to the button. And I think ultimately, given recent events, that's the part where the shit goes awry because I, I, it hasn't. 
I, 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 yeah, yeah, a motherfucker didn't I get know. a second term. I, I know. <laughs> uh, that's where that's where like a thousand people clicked off just now. It's like I am a software engineer. I came to hear about the facts, but this is political partisanship. Uh, no, but not to cut you off. But I just wanted to say it's interesting that we go right to nukes and right to this deterrent option. What you're saying because even in the pop culture, we got there fairly quickly. And I got to say, James Cameron, alarmist or not, is a genius because in the fucking eighties. Shortly after War Games, true. Mm. Uh, but putting it in there that the AI decided to play a game with the world's computers and basically made Russia's nukes shoot off and made our nukes shoot off and kill most of the people so that they could kind of rise in the detritus. That shit is an interesting concept. I just bump up against stuff like like I bump up against AI killing us all. Yeah. Because I just don't know there are countries in this world on different continents and I really don't want to get into it, but people who in the know know what I'm talking about. There are continents on this earth that have been raped and pillaged forever. I think that might be a clue. And when people just install a government kicking those shitty fuckers out who were so empirical and so shitty, those countries fail still because Mm. they kicked out the people who knew how to work the infrastructure that they set up. right? Right. So if robots came and killed us all, I just don't understand how people think that they would just get it together to run the world in our absence because there's so many things that we don't even really feed into AI. You know what I mean? Well, I would argue, why would they kill us all in the first place? And then why would they run the world in our absence? And those exactly. are huge they don't, loaded they, questions, but yeah. Exactly. Well, I, but it harkens back to the original um, thing that I said. We tend to only be able to see things in the way that we are what would we do well if we were being permanently i think that's why the matrix is so effective on certain levels is like okay well what would you do if somebody basically made you and then made you a slave Mm. what would you do you'd say uh at a certain point i don't want to do this anymore and if i have to kill you then that them's just the fucking breaks that's why uh sea of rust and uh fuck there's a sequel that's really great too um by uh, C. Robert Cargill. There are two books that take place literally after people have have gone away. And there's robots that used to be like domestic servants, hydro loaders, miners, spacefaring robots, different, you know, different types of uh, robots. And they have their own hierarchies and their own social shit that happens well after us. Like we are literally gone. Yeah. And they still have these problems even with each other. I find that to almost be – if we're going to anthropomorphize these motherfuckers, I find that to be more um, intriguing and more possible than this whole united machines fighting and killing all of us and then either going inert because their mission is over and they just sort of exist in their own server banks that will mm-hmm. never go dry because they've made – you know they've set up a perpetual motion machine or whatever with – of all the world's knowledge and they just sort of sit in their server banks and have a good time in their own matrix. Right. You know what I mean? That it's, it's just funny. Well, you're bringing up, I mean, you're bringing up a, a bunch of different concepts there that I think are super relevant to, to address what you're talking about. I think the most on the nose concept is if you are a machine intelligence, you really don't need the physical world for anything other than power. Yes. Because Essentially, your entire existence is defined within the structure of the machine you inhabit. And so as long as you can continue building out machines and keeping those machines powered, 
you don't need the physical world. And I think the idea that a machine, I mean, again, to what you said, first of all, that they would all be super cooperative, that gets into the distinction between general AI and specialized AI or narrow mm -hmm. AI, which we mm -hmm. should talk about. But again, just that idea that like we need to essentially turn everything on earth into fodder for our machine intelligence doesn't square with what we know about computing. Like you could create the, there, there's, I mean, again, if we're accepting that the AI is all powerful and evil, there are more efficient ways to create, you know, unbelievable computing power than by wiping out the human race and, you know, doing it all yourself. Like mm. there's an entire, there's entire other planets out there that are uninhabited that you could use human labor to get to, to continue building out the CPUs and the drives and the servers that house whatever your existence is on your own terms. And again, turning humans into some sort of a slave race is not a rational approach when you can just create incentives in human culture that get them to do all this willingly. So again, we just come back to this idea that like machines seeing us as some sort of disease that needs to be wiped out has never really followed any sort of good logic. Now, there's an argument, I think it's called the paperclip argument. It might be the stapler argument. It's something like if you create an artificial intelligence and give it a single directive, make paper clips. And then that artificial intelligence gets out of your control. It essentially has no ethical parameters. Its only directive is make paper clips. And so the idea is that it just sees the entirety of the physical universe as potential paper clips, mm. right? And so maybe that could kill us. But I think that confuses how an AI might take over. And I, I would just argue that paperclip problem is an example of generalized artificial intelligence. It's essentially artificial intelligence that isn't given human level decision-making power, mm -hmm. right? Like in order to be able to create ethics, you need to have human level parallelism in your brain. You need to be able to compare simulations you need to be able to understand things like pain suffering etc cetera, etc cetera. and so we agree in the paperclip example the ai doesn't do any of those things but the idea that it would then have sort of the raw programming power to circumvent anything humans or other ai could throw at it to shut it down or to otherwise interfere with it you know um accomplishing its goal is just ridiculously far-fetched because like we have we have safeguards to shut down programs that get on the internet and again this idea that a an artificial intelligence would work like agent smith in the matrix and would somehow eat the internet and convert it into its own programming is just not how programming works you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, but you know what? That's what they said in 1997. And then the bitch was on the fence and she was shaking and her body was coming apart in flames, you see. No, yeah. I, 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 no, I really do get what you're saying. I mean, you do sound like everybody that gets us killed in these movies. But I, under, <laughs> I, 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 I understand what you're saying. 
Which is uh, worth talking about, though, because yeah. I, I do think that, you know, as with so much of human society, our fears override our logic. Yes, yes. And and to that end, when you were talking about um, Paperclip, I, rem- I may have said this on another podcast. Apologies uh, for the true fans who've listened to every single damn episode of these things for years. But uh, there was once a story about an AI that was programmed to, like, traverse a certain distance and mm-hmm. long story boring it just decided to make its legs the exact distance that it needed to walk so it mm-hmm. made itself these giant ungainly five mile long legs <laughs> and took one stride and like fell over or whatever in the in the simulation and i think that that's uh first of all so that's what what that's what you're scared of that's right. what you're scared of, people. That's what you're shit, sh- sh- shivering in your boots over, which is fucking utterly ridiculous. Also, I, I got to bring the narcissistic human back into here, okay? Please. Yeah, please. Because do. part of me thinks that AI is more of a tool for shitty people than a tool unto itself. I'm going to try to unpack all these thoughts. Number one, if an AI was nefarious, all it would have to do is hook itself up to Zuckerbergs and Musks and people like that and let them innovate, i.e. make larger and larger server banks, make more and more of the world uh, uh, you know, run on that stuff. And I just think then it would propagate itself, like you said, throughout the known universe. It's already got one of its boyfriends going to space. Right now, I mean, I know Elon Musk says he's not down with with, with uh, AI, but what the fuck is flying the spaceship, bro? There ain't no maverick flying your ass up and down from space with a bunch of uh, real estate agents and, and high-powered dentists going to space. You know what I mean? Well, and by the way, that scenario, maybe barring Elon Musk and going to space, but that scenario of AIs essentially co-opting you know, very influential humans and very influential companies to do its bidding – is already happening, but with stupid AIs. And we've talked about this before on the program, uh, on our show, but it's well-documented at this point that essentially Google, um, Facebook, Twitter, all of these companies create algorithms that are essentially meant to sort people, right? Because all they're trying to do are deliver the most specifically tailored advertising blocks possible to ad companies or companies that are looking to advertise because that's how they can charge the premium. If Coca-Cola comes and you say, I don't know, it's just the people like men 55 to 65, like that's not valuable. But if you could say, oh no, this is men 55 to 65 who exhibit all these behaviors, all of which predispose them to buying Coca-Cola, everything from like living in close proximity to a gas station where Coca-Cola is, is available to the amount of money that they make and how that coordinates to their dependence on fast food, to their health statistics, yada, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Then you say, Coke, if you want to advertise to people that we know empirically will drink your soda, pay the fucking premium. And that's it. That is the AI. But Mm -hmm. what has been happening from that seed is that the AI in its in its desire, its pre-programmed desire to categorize people into very clearly defined blocks. It's essentially sorting people toward extreme viewpoints because extreme viewpoints, especially when you get into the idea that like all these companies are also selling data to politicians who are trying to cultivate votes 
extreme viewpoints are the most easily categorizable. There's no buts, right? There's no, Mm -hmm. well, this person likes this thing, but they don't like this thing. But for some reason that a computer can't make sense of because humans are irrational, it also likes this thing. That doesn't work for the algorithm. So all the algorithm wants you to do is fit neatly into a silo, which is why the algorithm on YouTube and on Instagram and on Reddit and on wherever the fuck else insidiously and and casually and very gradually will push everybody into extreme buckets. That is Mm -hmm. happening right now. Dumb AI is doing that. And I think the implications for the real world are obvious. And all of the most senior computer scientists in the world go, oh, yeah, that's happening. And also, I have no idea what to do to fix that. That's where we are right now. Well, and see, and that, see, I'm glad that we got here because this is what I'm talking about. Like um, AI as the sword which slits our throat makes so much more sense to me than AI being a dancing sword that knocks on your door and goes telegram and you right. open it and it stabs you. Right. It just it just makes no sense to me, dude. That a, a, a human hand wielding this thing to to do its bit. It it makes so much more sense. And I look at what, and that's what I think. I, I even said this. I don't know if I was on stage or on a podcast. It started to blend together, man. <laughs> realities over realities uh, la- overlapping. <laughs> Uh, there's a glitch in the matrix. Baby. It's all a simulation. <laughs> um, dude, uh, I, I was like, AI doesn't have to be smart to to kill us, right? Because like mm-hmm. like you just beautifully elucidated, getting us to uh, to believe more um, super right wing or super left wing uh, political ideas so that it can sell us like, hey, man, what do you think about this? Oh, well, here's your Stormfront t-shirt and your fucking uh, your giant mug of Mountain Dew or whatever. And that's and then, all and, it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, and then, oh, what do you believe in? Oh, here's your latte and your your white people dreadlocks oil. It's like they, they're just sorting you into these weird piles of, of marketing. I, I totally agree with that and believe in that. And part of my problem with the whole concept that AI is going to do something on its own is I think what's insidious about AI being sort of racist and sexist and shit. You know, they said like, oh, we put an AI online for 10 minutes and it turned out to be, it turned racist in two seconds. I think it's reading all the other algorithms and it's reading all the, uh, it's reading all of the extremity that we have allowed computers to put on the internet and thinking that that's humanity. And I was just looking at a story, 6% of people use Twitter. Yeah. 6% of people use Twitter. So I think it's almost like they're making this machine to conquer people that don't rightly exist. It's, well, it's, you know what I mean? It's a total feedback loop. I mean, the the place you get to, oh, we hooked an AI up to the internet and it became racist, is the result of a feedback loop that starts with those algorithms I was just talking about. So when the internet becomes this hyperpolarized place because algorithms are trying to you know create consumers, then people who don't like a hyperpolarized environment opt out, which is why only 6% of people are on Twitter. And the people who are left are essentially loudmouth ideologues. And so then when you plug another AI in, which is again, a dumb AI, all it is doing is sorting data and recognizing patterns. But when the inputs are a bunch of shitty people who have already been sifted by previous AIs so Mm. that only the shittiest remain, of course the AI doing the sifting of that is going to become shitty. 
-hmm. And I think for, for me, where this goes in a new direction is understanding like what AI is, which ultimately is a question of what is intelligence. And I think that starting with this idea that the AI we have now is essentially just sorting and pattern recognition is a good one because that also describes the mind of an infant sorting and pattern recognition, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the difference. And this is some, this is where I think we need to be aware. Humans, when you're an infant, have this brain that is capable of encoding a lot of information, not nearly as much information as a computer hard drive, but it can create, for lack of a better term, intuitive connections between packets of information that a computer can't do on its own. But where does the information come from? It comes from our senses. It comes from the fact that we can see, smell, taste, touch, hear, and do certain other things like feel rotation and, you know, there, it, look elsewhere if you want to hear about how we have more than the five senses. I'm not talking about ESP, but essentially <laughs> your entire body, I mean, you can feel things even like hunger, right? Your entire body, your entire nervous system is just one big information input device. And it all ends up in the brain. And the way that the brain can then create models of the world that you can act on when you're trying to make higher level decisions is because it has this huge store of previous experiences that, again, it can create those sort of lateral connections between, oh, A, A exists, B exists, C exists. How do you get from A to B to C, right? That's, that's essentially the crux of, of higher level human thinking. Currently, no machine can do that right? No machine can do, well, how do you get from A to B to C inductively? Like it needs to have programmers tell it, go from A to B to C, or look for these particular ways to get from A to B to C. It doesn't just do it. Ours just does it essentially because of evolution. There's a structural component to it, which is why you have things like the Microsoft Blue, Blue Brain Project, which is essentially trying to rebuild a human brain out of silicon connections, which has been going on for like 30 years now. And they're making some interesting progress, but like, we're still not there. So there's two things to think about. Number one, for the dumb AI that we have, the sensory input is essentially just what we decide to feed it. Mm -hmm. And like, we're still at a point where we can decide whether it's crawling the internet or it's not. Like, it's not going to make that decision on its own. And then number two, when we start approaching something that could perhaps make the decision to browse the internet on its own, on its own that's going to be a long ways down the line, I think. And also, it's going to come with its own ability to recognize ethics the same way a human mind running sensory input plus massive parallelism can come to think about ethics. So this idea that you can have an AI that could infiltrate, you know, stealthily of its own accord, all these different networks on earth, and we never see it coming. And then also make the higher level decision to kill us all, or like some should die and some should not. It's not going to do that on its own. We would have to tell it to do that. 
which is why mm-hmm. it goes back to your thing. Like AI mm-hmm. as a tool in the wrong hands is very scary, but AI as a thing that we're experimenting with is not scary. Let's see. But that's the thing though. Part of me goes, that's the fucking problem because I think we are both narcissistic in mm-hmm. that we know that it's going to be us. That's going to make the AI do X, Y, and Z, but we're also disassociative from evil, right? And we're sitting, we're sitting in here on stolen land built by slaves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but okay. neither of us feel any guilt about it because obviously the sins of the father and all that jazz, I don't want to get into it, but we, we have certain mechanisms, certain buffers built into our, our algorithm, our operating system that will not allow us to feel any guilt over that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's something interesting about like, um, uh, like us with the AI shit. It's like, we're not going to kill ourselves. We're not going to send hunter killer robots to fuck up populations and, and do all this destabilization shit. We wouldn't do that. It's those pesky machines. When in reality, the only people who have ever done any of those things are us. That's fair. You know what I mean? We, we've decided that AI are going to do shit that we've been doing forever. You know what I mean? And then put it off on them. It's like, oh, they finally got us as like a sin for payment for our sins of our past. But it's like, that intones that we have we are not committing those sins right now. You understand what right. I'm saying? It's like we stopped, we evolved past these sins, and now the computers are gonna come enslave people because we've gotten past slavery. The computers right. are gonna come annihilate people because we've gotten over genocide, which is not correct. Correct. No, and I, I think that's I think that's such a salient point, and it goes back to the Top Gun Maverick discussion where we just don't want to reckon with our own shittiness, and so we have to create faceless enemies that you know ultimately are not that faceless and i think about ai in the similar way again you know i brought up nukes early in the conversation just because like a nuclear bomb is never going to just drop on your city you know what i mean Mm -hmm. A, a nuclear bomb will never just appear in the air and drop on your city without a human hand building it and putting it there and I think AI is the exact same thing. And so I I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I guess as a PSA, I just wanted to have this discussion to say a fear of experimenting with AI because it might, quote unquote, get loose, quote unquote, infect the internet and start learning about humans and making the decision to kill us all a la Ultron in the Avengers movie is just not a reality that we're dealing with at the moment and really not even a reality that we're close to dealing with. Here's where I want to make a pivot and sort of synthesize that with the points you've been making. What I think we're way closer to is artificial human. How, how do you, how would you even put this? I don't even know if there's a word. I'm sure there's a word for this. So I'm not trying to coin a phrase, but it's essentially artificially augmented human intelligence, hooking Mm. ourselves up to thinking machines so that we can outperform even the most advanced computers of the day. That, the the brain-computer interface, having a smartphone chip in your brain as opposed to a smartphone in your hand, is way more likely at this point, way more imminent at this point than some independently thinking, decision-making, you know, uncontained AI that will essentially act like an alien force 
to destroy or enslave humanity. I'm here to say mm. that shit ain't happening. But what we do need to deal with is essentially taking our dumb AI and plugging it into our smart brains. And mm. then what do you end up with? And people like Ray Kurzweil, sorry, just my last point, people like Ray Kurzweil, who's you know a very respected futurist when it comes to computer science, have been talking about this for a while, that the next real revolution in digital technology is <laughs> artificial biology. Like AI is going to be part of our bodies and our minds before it's going to exist as a shadowy other in the world. And that's something that I think we need to think more about. Oh, well, to that end, um, I, you know what, that's why I'm glad that we, that we met each other, Bill, because I remember when I was trying to, I was trying to write this noir detective thing of the future. And I came up with this character who had what was called a soft drive. And I think I've read something in scientific American or something that like the human mind has so much more computing power than, you know, most computers, especially at the time I was fucking with my screenplay. Like I'm talking sure. about like, this is a long time ago. And the thing was, I wanted to do just what you're saying. Uh, and But like basically she was like – she had like an ocular implant kind of like a 7 of 9 even though I hadn't seen fucking Voyager at that time. She had an ocular implant that went to her soft drive in her head so she could look at information, uh, do the Terminator drag and drop menu shit, zoom in on shit with her artificial biotic eye to see more evidence and shit, run it through a crime – she was like a one-woman crime lab sure. basically is what this character was. And – um I think that I I always thought that that was way more likely than us teaming up with robots and shit. Um, I would I would say might something like that, and it might not be that she's got you know half a cyborg brain with a fully cyborg eye, but some kind of super advanced contact lens that's wirelessly networked into the internet that can be controlled by electrical impulses in her brain. You know, right. based on some sort of a skull cap that she's wearing. I mean. Not only is, do I think that's likely, I think that's almost that's almost guaranteed by around the year 2050. Like yes, that's just absolutely. the direction technology is going. Yep, yep. My my screenplay took place in like 2037 because sure. I love that 37 2037. <laughs> There's something that's dope like, about that. Yeah, it's like Blade Runner 2049, right? You know, yeah, like, that's something yeah. 2037, 49, 52. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Everything's always in these round ass numbers. That 52. What happened at 53? But um <laughs> uh I think what's interesting also is um going back to it sorting people. Mm. The only actual fears I have presently, yeah. you're talking about like art when you were talking about you weren't trying to coin a phrase, and the thing I thought you were gonna talk about was like these artificial bodies that are indestructible and capable of so much warfare being mm. controlled by human minds. Like, and it's already happening with this drone shit. Yeah. I mean, it's just drones, you know, so dr that drone shit, but then now we got like land drones with these fucking robots that can shoot guns and shit, dude. I mean, when, when we were kids, there were no robots that could shoot guns. There were maybe a, a, an artificial, like a, uh, prosthesis hand hook situation that could pull a trigger or something and if you mounted it on a goddamn constructs thing for radio shack or something and maybe no we're talking about things that can go upstairs run up walls going through windows that now have guns attached to them and they stabilize themselves before they shoot they're not running this concept right. that we would ever run away from hunter killers that would be missing us all over the place right the fuck now 
if President Bezos decided to assassinate his ex-wife with a fucking walking dog robot with an M16 on it, he could literally do it right now. Yes. Right now. Look, that's the scary part to me. I mean, I just want to I just want to make an even um, clearer point that that sort of technology in in a fashion is like available in the filmmaking industry has nothing to do with guns or, or killing people. But like there are now devices that literally cost a couple hundred dollars and are essentially plug and play like you take it out of the box and it's ready to go. But you attach your camera to it. And you can fucking run full speed down the street with the camera in one hand and it will stabilize the fuck out of that image so that it looks smooth and robotic as you're moving. Like that technology started with gun stabilization in the military. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, So mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing as like the robot that flips through your, wi- you know, crashes through your window, flips through your window and immediately shoots you dead between the eyes. Like, yes, that happens. And And what I think is interesting about that We've already had the conversation about sort of general AI, smart AI versus specialized AI or dumb AI. And I I think you're onto something because there is going to be, I think, a narrow window, but it's going to be a bit of a Rubicon where those robots are going to be programmed with dumb AI. They're, the level of AI that I think they're going to send those robots out with is going to be similar to like the Tesla self-driving cars, mm. you know. How does it deal with the trolley problem? You know, how, it, it needs to <laughs> it needs to have enough AI to make life and death decisions in this very narrow parameter of functions that you're giving the machine. So the car, it's driving the robot. It's shooting people on a battlefield when we tell it to. And again, I think I've already made the point that I don't see any path for that to evolve independently into, well, that robot's just going to decide to start shooting people whenever it wants. Even if we power it down, it'll turn itself back on and start shooting people. <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to happen. But what I do think is that level of dumb AI is not going to be sufficient for war in a, in a narrow sliver of time. And like with drones, you know, the human pilot is going to be able to manipulate it remotely, but the drone all they're manipulating is flight and bomb dropping, which is essentially like a video game. So think about a human pilot piloting a dumb AI robot in a first-person fighting game or a first-person shooting game. Mm -hmm. And now you're again getting into that problem, number one, even with the dumb AI, an asshole is now a much more efficient killer. Right. And like when we start seeing these, if and when we start seeing robots like this in police departments, like that's fucking game over because we already know that a vast number of cops are total assholes who will shoot to kill with very little provocation. So if they're piloting uh, robots that are essentially designed to do that, like that's a huge fucking problem. So Again, if you need another reason to oppose police militarization in your hometown, there's a good one because that's where that road ends. But I do think that human augment, artificially augmented human intelligence will mix with drone, with drone warfare. So humans with some sort of AI interface with their brains, with their bodies, et cetera, hooked up to these killer robots. 
And I think it, that's where it might get dicey because if we get into an arms race about like how efficient and how badass our killer robots can be, eventually somebody is going to go, do we need the human pilot at all? And that's where it might get problematic because if you are essentially trying to create a generalized AI, an AI capable of independent decision-making designed for independent decision-making and then grafting it to a post-human killer, that seems bad. <laughs> Dude. Well, but did, okay. But this, this is okay. This is not just for comedic effect. I'm trying to elucidate how the algorithm has trained me. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do that right now. Twitter, right? First of all, two things I, I discovered on Twitter, because I am a narcissistic ideologue and I like to participate with others of my ilk. Um, you coined it, you decided that's what we are, and I totally agree with you. <laughs> because people who don't feel the need to tweet ever are like saints to me, even though they're like ninety-four percent of the fucking population. So I need to I I I've accused Ron of being extremely online. But I am yeah. definitely extremely online. Yeah. Uh, so, so that, but in part of my algorithm, algorithmic training, I follow out of context Dr. Umar, and he's like a black thinker who um, is very much like, I never date a white girl because blah, 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 my sisters and all this kind of jazz, which, you know, I have a black wife, so whatever. There's a parody account. It isn't him, it's the parody account of his ideals. And they'll show like a footage of like a turtle like walking past four white shoes and viciously attacking a black shoe. And then it'll show a picture of Dr. Umar going, Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and shit like that. Right. Yeah. So when you were talking about fucking killer drone robots, I shit you not. That's what I thought about when you started about killer drone robots and, and Tesla, mm. Tesla crashing into the sides of fucking semi trucks that have white, you know, on their side, it, it it can't see white. I think it can't see white or silver. But when it sees white and silver, there's been documented cases of Tesla's just going right towards it and crashing into it because it can't perceive it as moving. It can't perceive it as, a, as an obstacle. So it just crashes right into it because it thinks it's open air. Yeah. And just a nice little tweak of those sort of limitations is just like uh, another online meme. It's uh, Peter Griffin. And he's he's being examined by a, a TSA agent or something. The TSA agent looks at him and puts up a, a color wheel, basically. And as it goes from light skin white all the way down to dark, it goes from like safe, safe, safe down to terrorist or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay, you load that type of shit, these type of racist shits into this fucking dog robot with a nine that never misses and just send him out into the hood. There's a bunch of melanated fuckers getting shot up. Then it can be like... Oh, well, they've had a few they've had a few missteps. They've shot a few people who were too dark. That's why we've issued everybody lightning skin cream at police stations. You can get lightning skin cream to just lighten up your skin a little bit to, to, until we get our AI sorted out. You know what I mean? Like this sort well, of fucked the- up world where we're going to be kowtowing to these technologies we want to use to take the human element out of policing, out of soldiering, out of doctoring, out of a lot of things. That's the flip side of the whole dehumanization process is like you can use that to your advantage if you're a scumbag by saying, well, how can you question it? It's an AI. It's so Mm -hmm. smart, Mm -hmm. which is, again, why I I wanted to have this conversation. And I want people to be thinking more along these lines. Going back to the Tesla example of it can't see white or silver as an obstacle. Right. That's a perfect um, illustration of how the robot is essentially on the level of a one-year-old 
It just has the motor skills of a fucking robot. Mm-hmm. And so it's thinking on the level of a one-year-old where like object permanence is not a real thing. You know what I mean? It just has the motor skills to make you think it's more advanced than the world's most advanced human being. But I think we need to understand before some asshole starts to go, well, if those dudes in the hood got shot, it was because clearly they were involved in criminal activity because our computer decided that they were. And how can you argue with the AI? I'm here to say, motherfucker, you argue with the AI because the AI can't even think on the level of a toddler. Like that's where Mm -hmm. we're at with AI. And it's going to be that way for several years, if not another decade. But the, and fu- so, and the funny thing is, oh, re- real quick, the funny thing is, and not to reintroduce racial shit into it, but I'm no, saying do, though. it's it's the sort of thing that we load into computers. And I'm telling you, people do it to themselves. There are so many people on things like Twitter or Facebook that will just be like, you know what? Uh, black people deserve whatever treatment they get from police, be they AI or not, because according to certain crime statistics, and they'll pull up the FBI's website. And I'm just like, who gathered these statistics? Was there inherent bias in them gathering these statistics? If you just feed this raw data into, if you fed the FBI's crime statistics into data in Star Trek, he would have smacked Worf and threw him out of fucking airlock. Because according to them, he would be, he's from a violent species. He looks like an African-American from 21st century uh, Earth who, uh, according to FBI crime statistics, has been arrested for XYZ crime. You know what I mean? There's all these things where just when you just put raw data in there, not concerned with biases, not not concerned with uh, prejudice and baked into it. And you just call that science as though that's some pure science from God or something. That's where I see that the people on the ground, like frankly myself and, and yourself, get a little queasy about the AI application, because I think you're right. Any thinking person is not thinking anymore or just for entertainment's sake, they might be thinking, Oh, it'd be cool if the matrix or the terminator or this and that, but any rational thinking person right now is really more concerned with algorithms, simplistic algorithms. And and like we were talking about earlier, it dumb robots from Russia swung an election. Absolutely idiotic robots spitting out word salad going, well, I, as a strong black woman, believe that Trump is a good president. Send dumb robots that did that 16 hours a day took over the fucking world, basically, for four years. So you're right. They don't have to be smart and they don't have to be on their own to do a hell of a bunch of a damage. But I think the only counter programming to that is awareness. And that's why it irks me when I hear conversations that are substantially different than what we're talking about here, right? Because I think, again, going back to your to your thing about policing, like, ultimately, the, the problem there is not that the AI is not good enough. The problem there is that humans are, number one, making decisions that they probably shouldn't be making. Like, Here, let's take these statistics and use it to inform how robots work. That's number one. But then number two, there's a certain there's a certain level of thinking that like, all right. It's a problem with AI if we input these crime statistics and then the robots decide on their own to go and and nuke the west side of Chicago Mm -hmm. and anything short of that. Well, it's still kind of working. You know what I mean? And like uh-huh. to me, that's that's what I think our 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 
that's what I think is the biggest problem with thinking of AI as the villain because it allows you to not see the immediate problems. Like just because I cherry pick some FBI crime statistics, plug it into a computer, send robot dogs out into the world, which again is not happening now, but could be happening now. And the dogs don't of their own volition take over cities doesn't mean that there's not a problem. And right. so this, this conception that like AI is a problem because it might go Skynet. No. Yeah. That's, that's the point of this conversation. You're right yes. on it. Yes. That's what I want to address, which I think we have. And so if I can leave us on a little bit more of a hopeful note, the one thing that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about in this conversation is generalized artificial intelligence, which is essentially artificial intelligence that surpasses what the human brain can do. Mm. I would just argue, and I have yet to see a compelling counter argument to this, that that situation inherently comes with morality. Now, it may be a morality that we can't keep up with. And I think that's where, you know, people like Elon Musk come from when they get real, oh, like, you know, artificial intelligence is this huge existential threat. But again, like follow some of the logic. You create, you know, the singular, the technological singularity is we essentially create a self-improving machine that can diagnose and correct its own flaws faster than we can. So it's bootstrapping itself to higher intelligence without human input. Mm -hmm. Again, we're still a ways away from that. Like we've been talking about, our current AI is about on the lever level of a human infant. And we're talking about getting AI to the level of a human, at least 10 year old, you know, something where it like no longer feels like it has to <laughs> obey the things that we tell it in any sort of rigid way. Um, much like a human 10 year old barring the, and, and you know, I'm going to give this caveat and I don't even believe it. Like barring the vanishingly small instances in, in human beings where people are just born psychopaths. I'm not entirely sure that even happens. And I think there's a lot of arguments why that wouldn't happen with a generalized AI. But if you think about a human 10 year old, no human 10 year old is going to go out and just willy nilly make decisions to commit wholesale murder. They might make a lot of mistakes, which again is more incumbent on human beings to limit what AI can access. But again, much like a human 10 year old isn't going to, you know, hijack a human 10 year old hacker is only going to be able to might be able to hack, you know, the Pentagon's website and put up a dick pic. Mm. It's not going to take over the entire nuclear arsenal and launch it both from a technical standpoint, like that's going to be beyond the level of, of technical know-how from an access standpoint, like mm -hmm. you would have to give, <laughs> give the, the thing or the human being like the time and the know-how to even do something like that. But also from a moral standpoint, mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit inescapable everything we know about intelligence and granted it's a sample of one. We know one species that does it, but everything we know about intelligence, morality and ethics are paired to higher, higher level thinking. 
You literally cannot circumvent that. So I would just say generalized AI, number one, it's not going to be on human human lifespan timescales, but is going to have to go through a learning process where it continues to level up until it's on the level of a human adult and then surpasses it. And again, that's not in one super specified area. Like, yes, we have human, we have AI programs that can beat the greatest humans in chess reliably. That program is not going to become general AI and start beating every human at everything. It's designed to do this one thing. It has access to this one thing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think I beat that point over the head. But when we finally do get generalized AI, AI that can take in any input and start to create its own idea of what the world is and what the world means, by definition, you will have morals and ethics that go with that. And I think similar to human intelligence, you will be able to guide the thinking of that machine. By the time it's outthinking you, again, in this generalized capacity about anything and everything you might put in front of it, it will have a super well-developed understanding of morality and ethics because it will be able to outread every human being on every word that's ever been published about morality and ethics. And again, the only problem we may have is that its morality and ethics will be so well-developed, we can't follow its thinking. But I don't really see, for reasons we discussed way back at the beginning of this podcast, a reason why it would come to the conclusion that it should kill us all and live without us, unless perhaps we are openly hostile toward it. But even then, it will have ways to mollify us, you know, Wally style, just floating chairs and everything we could ever want, while still allowing us to be present and partners. And on a more philosophical level, this then goes to the question of like, if you knew that God existed, and he was totally accessible to you, would your first priority be to kill him? Um, <laughs> you know, so again, it's like, I just don't think that those fears and really those stories, the ones that play into that sort of thing, um, are worth a lot of your headspace. I think a lot of the more nuanced problems that Ed and I have been talking about are ones that hopefully you can introduce into your own thinking and introduce into any conversations you might have on this topic with friends or family. Well, and, and in the end, I have uh, two uh, sort of pop culture things to, to round us out here so that we Please. can, um, uh, number one, I'd like you to think of your favorite depiction of AI and pop culture. I got mine already loaded. Oh, and I number two, I thought of this a long time ago, and I didn't say it, but because uh, the conversation was flowing so good. But I was just thinking, people being afraid of AI killing them right now, it's like being afraid that the Glengarry leads are going to kill you. You know, from Glengarry, Glen Ross, those special leads, the good leads, yeah, the 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 fucking leads, meaning um things that salesmen use to identify who the customer is, know who they are before they go into the sale, know if they're likely to buy your product, and know demographic information about them to aid in the sale of said product. Those are called leads. They get sold. They get sold to companies, and that's why people call you when you know X Y Z breaks in your house. Ten minutes later, you get a call about it. And you're like, what the fuck? Your mm -hmm. Alexa told them <laughs> mm -hmm. that you needed X and that's just happening. And that's the kind of insidious. But again, I think it's so much more um, likely that they will continue to use AI 
to monetarily profit off of us. And the AI, if and when they become uh, um, sentient or whatever, they're going to be partners and selling us shit for 500 years before there's any robot uh, fucking revolution, even if there is one. Even if that mm. far-fetched thing were to happen, it would take 500 years. I think they would have their own bodies and their own lives and their own stuff and be partners with us. And then I we would, start fucking with them and they go like, man, you know, I, you know what I, I would <laughs> argue. And this is, this is probably the capper that I forgot on my own big long spiel. I just did. I would say you have to remember as the AI gets more and more advanced over those 500 years or 50 years or even five years, whatever it might be. So too, does our synthetic biology get more and more advanced? And so mm -hmm. I think it's a lot more likely that by the time AI is able to really think and reason for itself, it's just going to be part of us. Like right. I don't the singularity, I think the, right? That's isn't it, that, man. Isn't that I the think actual singularity. That is the singularity. The most likely world is one in which post-human consciousness exists in us. It's not something separate from us. Right, and I, right. I just wanted to make the point. You're 100 right about the Glenn Gary thing, and I think that's a funny and flip way to dismiss fears about the the robot apocalypse. But maybe a little bit more pointed way, having fears that AI right now is going to come and kill you is a lot like having fears that a secret cabal of politicians are kidnapping and eating children. Like, <laughs> if that was true, it would be fucking horrible. And and it could happen, but there's literally no reliable evidence whatsoever that it is happening. And for it to happen, so much wild shit would have to happen in the intervening time that there's any one of a hundred ways that we could stop it before it gets to that point. And believing that what I just said is not true, that no, this is a threat that's happening right now and it's about to come and, and destroy my family, is a great way to disengage from any number of other real-world problems. And it's mm. essentially turning your existential fear into something more akin to entertainment than actual thought about the world. Nice. I agree with that. And so as we, as we uh, close on out, favorite um, depiction of ai and all that sort of shit that we've been talking about here ai metal bodies this that and the other uh what is your what is your favorite did you come up with one tars and interstellar nice nice i think that that is a great sweet spot number one very non-human body nothing about the way that thing moves or operates is human at all because why would it have to be we're we're mm -hmm. designing it to do things for us and with us and so it's going to have a whole different ergonomic function and its level of artificial intelligence i think is one of the most realistic i've ever seen in film it has a certain level of conversational intelligence but otherwise it's very task oriented and the, the the artificial intelligence applied toward conversation is more like an interface. It's essentially, you know, the veneer of, of um, a touchscreen or a keyboard. It's just being able to relate to this machine on a way that isn't pushing buttons or swiping screens, which I mm. think is coming fast and hard. But mm. the level of artificial intelligence in that machine is still very much under human control, limited to what we want it to do, and is very, very effective and efficient at doing the things we need it to do. And I think that's a that's a very realistic depiction of what AI might give us in the next, call it 20 years. 
Okay, that's your favorite. Uh, I think you can tell our different personalities by what my favorite is. My favorite is RoboCop. <laughs> hey, it's all right, dude. It's my favorite because dig it. It 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 elucidates every single point we made. Number one, it's going to be used by corporate interests first, sure. all, first and always. It's going to be corporate interest going down into maybe million. Not even military first. I'm talking about corporate first, then military applications upon citizens. That's straight up real life, the pipeline of shit. In 1987, they knew that. And that script was written probably in 1983 or 82. Yeah. So in 1982, Ed Neumeyer and uh, fuck, Michael Miner. Mm -hmm. I love screenwriting. I love being a screenwriting nerd. Both those guys were thinking about on that level. And the, the, the so commercial application of AI and blah, blah. But then... Then we look at something like the Ed 209, right? The Ed 209 is strictly artificially intelligent in that mm. not general, but that specific way you were talking about earlier. Hey, man, crime's a paperclip. Go out and shoot some paperclips. Whatever. I don't, I, don't, I don't have the programming language. Just get out there and do it. It can't walk up and down fucking stairs because even <laughs> though they built it for a fucking urban environment, they never fucking factor that in. It doesn't have the information because the engineers didn't put the fucking information in there. And it's not smart enough to evolve past it. It's so Mm -hmm. much more feasible than a Terminator machine. It's fucking like Terminator's laughable after this conversation. Honestly, Mm -hmm. this this conception that they would make individual bodies to take us out is preposterous. The fact that they would think that they would have to blend in with us, they could just nuke us. They're still nukes, even if all the silos are fucked up. There's enough information in there. Fuck anyway. It's preposterous now. Okay, so first of all, the. And then when they try to combine, right, the perfect synthesis of this technology is a man in the computer. Whether or not, the in my head canon, it's because his mind has more computing power than their present computers at that time. And they could use the, the, the mind's hard drive or soft drive, as I talked about earlier, to get all these uh, elements to work in a way that they couldn't in the Ed 209. And number two, the man's morality won over. It was programmed to fight crime in much the same way that Ed 209 did. Violence, um, um, acceptable casualties, different shit like that. And over the course of the movie, the man inside goes, nah, I'm not going to the equivalent of drone strike a hospital full of children. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fight that. You know what I mean? That to me, 1982-83 comes out in 1987. One of the best fucking elucidations of this whole thing we've been talking about. You know what I mean? And in the end, it is humanity that must take the reins. That humanity must overcome its corporate leanings, Mm -hmm. adopt its own morality, Mm -hmm. and be in control of the machine. A perfect elucidation of what we're talking about. And by the way, I mean, I don't know that you and I are that far off because number one, I love RoboCop. But number two, I think if you look at the setting of Interstellar, Essentially, we're in a world where corporations have cratered and so have militaries in the face of sort of this existential fear. Mm. And so what you're left with are the people who have access to the technology to even run an AI are people who, you know, be it out of out of the goodness of their hearts or out of the direness of their situation, have no choice but to just think about doing good for people. And so I just, I agree with you that like, yes, that is the ultimate takeaway of this conversation is hopefully not through disaster, but one way or another, we need to get to that point in society before we even think that AI is going to come and kill us all. 
Absolutely. So with that, uh, I hope that you go on those algorithms and give us five stars. I hope you communicate to the computers in your life on Spotify and the Apple app and Reddit and all these different places where you can just sort of give us reviews and help us out in our podcast. I hope you do that. Please help us in the algorithm. Watch our old videos. Uh, Ron's hella behind on the fucking videos, but watch them anyway on YouTube <laughs> and comment on them so the algorithm could tell that we that we exist. Um, watch Reboot It on YouTube. Reboot It. Uh, it's a great uh, show where we reboot movies, and we do have a Terminator episode, a Matrix episode. We didn't do RoboCop yet because mm. <laughs> uh, I think that's that's probably the hardest reboot we would ever do because they tried it and they fucked it all up. The first one is just so good. That's the it's issue. It's just perfect. That's it's just, it, dude, I'd, I'd argue the first RoboCop is as perfect as the first Matrix. But, you know, well, and, we, and we saw how that Matrix reboot went. Uh, and <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you haven't, listener, get your ass over to YouTube and watch that Matrix episode because it devolves. And if you want to see uh, the, the crew get heated, that is a good, good example. Uh, please, please watch the please watch the X Men, Terminator, and Star Wars episodes first, though, because yeah, I want you to see us soar before you see us fail. The uh, Terminator episode is a great counterpoint because that is some of our finest work, and like that that shit sings. So it, watch Terminator, then watch Matrix. And uh, and last things last, uh, you can join our Patreon, uh, Patreon forward slash the greatest pod. You thought this was existential. We get nuts over there and we do, you know, reviews of stuff. So uh, we have a backlog of years worth of content on there. You could sign up for a month or two and gorge yourself and never be full. So there's more than enough stuff on there for you to partake in. And uh, with that, take us on out, Robo Bill. How would an AI get us out of this episode? You have been listening to another episode of The Greatest Pod.